Well, good evening, everyone. Um, good to see you all gathered in here again tonight. It's the second night of our special weekend of, of meetings. Good to see you. And if you are joining us live on Facebook, you also are very welcome. Um, again, want to just thank the Reverend Harris for being with us here tonight again, um, as he will be every week, every night this week. So we thanks the tongue. And thanks to the choir for helping us in our prayers also, and to Heather here beside me for leading in uh, the worship at the beginning, and also again tonight to Stephanie for stepping in to play. Thank you very much. We're going to have a short time of praise, and um, we're going to remain seated. And the first piece we're going to sing is uh, There is a Redeemer. And, you know, this piece um, tells us that, you know, there really is only one person that can deal with our sin and bring us into a close relationship with God, and that is Jesus Christ. And this is a personal favorite of mine. I really love this hymn, and I think um, it says a lot. The words are tremendous in it. So let's really sing it out, and uh, we'll sing There is Our Redeemer, and the words should come up on the screen. piece we're going to sing is my God is a great big God. God not only cares and saves us from when we come to faith in Jesus but he also keeps us in his care and we can praise him with confidence tonight though it's just a lovely hymn to praise him as well.
so should have really got you something done the actions I for that one. <laughs> um, the next piece we're going to sing, um, it's a very short one, so I think maybe Stephanie will sing this one through twice. It's um, a well-known one, Jesus, Name Above All Names. And it's just a song that reminds us that um, our Lord and Saviour has so many names, so many titles that he has been given. And um, we can praise him with confidence with this because of who he is. So we'll sing this one through twice. Jesus' name above all names. Song we're going to sing now is called Wonderful Grace and to be honest I wasn't I had to look this one up again because I hadn't sang it in a while but it's just to remind us that God does forgive us and there's nothing that we need to do or nothing we can offer um, for him to, us forgive, to offer us our forgiveness um, of our sins and in grace he forgives and welcomes, welcomes us in and uh, we'll just sing this together. Thanks to Colin and Heather for leading our praise tonight. And can I add to their welcome to you this evening. Lovely to see you as we come together, our second night of mission. Uh, last evening, we looked at the rich young man who came to Jesus with a request, what must I do to inherit eternal life? But that man went away sad because he didn't see his deep need to come in repentance to Jesus. Here we think of the payment of our salvation. Again in a passage from Mark's gospel, again in chapter 10. And we'll read this passage in a few moments. 
But friends, we come to lift our voices in praise and stand to sing as we sing Jesus Christ, I think upon your sacrifice. And the title indicates what we want to do just now. We want to think through the words that we sing and think of the Jesus who long ago on a cross gave himself for sinners like us. We stand to sing. Friends, David's going to come and lead us in prayer just now. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, as we come in before your presence this evening, we realize what an awesome and powerful and great God that you are. We confess that we are a sinful people and ask for your forgiveness through your Son, the Lord Jesus. We thank you that you are the same 2,000 years ago when you walked this earth as you are today. We pray like Isaiah in the year King Uzziah died, that you would give us a fresh vision of who you are. That many who may not know you will know Jesus for themselves. And that those who are in need of encouragement in their faith, that you will touch them and bring them to a deeper and fuller relationship in you. We pray for this evening that your hand will be with all those who take part in the service and that you will be glorified. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks, David. I see you've got a fan. I remember a few years ago when Cameron was small, he was kicking the radiator pipe underneath the pew and Kathy said to him, stop doing that. And he looked at her and said, it's only daddy. So <laughs> that wasn't so bad. You didn't get an only daddy, you just got daddy. Um, friends, it's lovely to have uh, Adrian McGaw, who's chairman of Friday Island Football Club and uh, Derek is going to come and interview him now.
the three F's, uh, football, fitness, and faith, and that's what comes to mind whenever I think of Adrian. Now, the Reverend Harris has sort of let it out of the bag a wee bit about Adrian, because I was going to say that maybe his wife would be better known in the area, although you don't really want to be going to see her too often, um, but uh, we know who he is now, and as you all know, Adrian is a keen football supporter and fanatic in the local team, and which is Ruff Ryland, and many of the boys and girls here I'm sure would play for the, the local football team, and maybe some of the older ones as I look down would have played for Ruff Ryland as well. So I say we're glad that Adrian, you have agreed to come along and to answer a few questions and maybe to tell us a wee bit about yourself. So maybe you could tell us a wee bit about yourself, your family, your interests, your hobbies. Um, first, I want to thank you for uh, inviting me to come. It's a pleasure to come here. Obviously, um, the last time I was up here, it cost me a fortune. My wedding day was the last time I probably was up here, which is 17, 18 years ago. But yeah, uh, as Derek said, like obviously I'm married to Austin. Um, who would have been Dixon, um, which would have been, this would have been her church. Um, three kids, um, Lucy, Will and Toby, um, and they are 14, 11, and 8. eight, eight. Um, so, yeah, hobbies. Um, probably football has probably been a big part of my life from obviously where I was reared was in Hilltown. So, shall we say, my father was old school, and still is old school, thankfully. Um, so if, if I want to go and play football, um, I ran there. That's where fitness maybe came in a wee bit. Um, we lived obviously in Hilltown, so that's the guts of maybe about six and a half miles. So if I turned around my father said, hey, I want to go to football. But at that stage, my older brother Keith, he would have been away. Um, so if I wanted to go and train or play football, I ran to football, um, played, and then ran back home again. Um, so yes, yeah, so hobbies, a lot of hobbies was a lot to do with football and any sport, really. I enjoyed sport. enjoyed fitness, really, so that's where... And how long have you been around, sort of, the football club? Like, from five or six or eight uh, or ten? I, or? No, I, I think it's starting again till probably because um, I couldn't run when I was ten, probably, to, to refine it. But um, I didn't really start refining until I was about 15, I think it was, so that's almost ten years, or I mean, um, 24, 26 years ago now. <laughs> Um, so I have footballing wise I've retired now probably this is my six years um, you're a husband as far as the football oh, oh it's always a husband if anybody ever played with me I never was fit to play football so um, yeah I quit I always said always said and I don't know why whenever I was even in my late teens early 20s um, for some reason I said whenever I hit 35 that's me done so I played to my 35th birthday and that, that did me so no regrets and what could you describe uh, in a few short words as your role in the football club now? Now, I know as chairman, you could probably talk all night about the different jobs, but briefly, you know, what, what could you say is your job in, in, in the minute? Um, job in the minute. Um, I was surprised, to be honest, our, our um, ex-chairman, Junior, um, approached a couple of us to see if we would be interested. And to be honest, I knocked them back straight away. I said there was no interest. That stage, I was... 38, 39, and I thought, I have kids of my own, it's, what, what, what would I want to do that for? Um, but more thought of it, etc. and um, I thought to myself, you know, I think a big important thing for me again, I think anyway, but I might be wrong, is to get try to, to help out, try to give back a wee bit, because whenever I was 15, 16, 18, or whatever the case may be, I didn't care what was done for me, I just want, it was all about me at that stage, if you want to say, it was like, as long as everything was ready for me, I didn't care who did it or who didn't do it. So, I more thought of it, said I'll, I'll, I'll give it a, a, a go, and um, probably realising it now, to be honest, Derek, um, it's it's a great honour to do it. Um, like the club's gone now sixty years, um, and um, it's a great honour, and it's it's gone from stand to stand. So, um, it's a privilege at this stage. To be very honest, at the stage whenever I I did accept them, thankfully was put in. Um, I didn't probably think it was such a, an honour, to be honest. I know now the the work that goes behind the scenes and the things that goes along along with it and responsibility, it's, it's, it's big, so I'm, it's an honour to do, to be honest. Yes, yeah. Well, what way or how you know would you get to share your faith with others in that environment, in the club? Um, it, again, when I started thinking these questions, I actually thought it would be the other way around, to be honest. 
I thought that um, the older I got would be easier. Um, I said that the wrong around. The younger I was, I thought it would be, it would be hard to do. But whenever you're, I, I, I have a, a saying that when you're in it, you're in it. I always say it. So whenever I was in football, I, I was in it. I didn't care if we were playing refrain or if we were in the far end of the country. I was in it. I, I, I didn't care where we were. And I, I looked at the, the teams that I played. Like I, I played with Roy and Nazarek here too. And I'm sure there's maybe younger men than them too. I played with them. And, you know, I've I seen it. I've seen it as almost like, it's going to sound savvy. I've seen it as almost like a family. If, if one of them boys somebody turned on them, they turned against me too. And, and that's the way I, I always seen it. And um, in the change room, if you want to say, you could, like, you know, it's, it's where we react. react. Um, whenever everybody else is maybe shouting, roaring, cursing, whatever the case would be, again, if you interviewed Roy, maybe Roy or Eric up here, they might say the same thing with me. But, you know, you, you try not to do that. You, you try to, um, reactions, well, if something was against you or something, you just, you try not to react the way like everybody else did. And then the players would ask you, well, why, why not? Why do you not do that? Why do you not injure that person or hurt that person? Yeah, this is the reason. Um, it's, actually, it's actually harder now, to be honest, now when I'm a wee bit older. And um, I'm sure if you want to put it back, whenever you go down to match day, there's, there's always somebody going to ask you a question or somebody wants something or something. So it's, it's almost like a, it's a military operation. Now you go down, you, you know what you have to do, get that done. You might say a bit of football if you're lucky. If you see football, then you've another role to do, and then you're almost glad to get home to sort of settle down again. So it's, it's harder when I get older. Um, but for me, it's, it's building a lot to do with building relationships. Um, like again, whenever I was playing, there was guys within the football club that may not have been Christians, um, but they were good to you. Like, you know, you, you knew that they cared. They didn't, they didn't maybe really, really care about me, but they cared because you were a friend of on that you were a friend man, they had your back. And I, I feel that a lot now, whenever there's guys 15, 16, whatever, playing for our teams now, and I'm doubled more their age, it's time to get a relationship with them. So whenever something goes wrong, like obviously, unfortunately, this past few years, we've had um, tragedies within the football club. And whenever the, the young ones needed us, thankful enough we were there. We had that relationship built. And that's what a big important thing is about, and not just necessarily football, but about sport or about team things. Um, it's good whenever they enjoy the times together, but whenever the times are hard, it's even better sometimes because you actually can see the care and the love that they have for each other. Yeah. Um, so um, it's, for me, it's building a relationship with other people. And then when you do build a relationship, then it's to bring God into it. For me, some people like to first off the mark, I'm a Christian, this is why, and what are you? Um, to be honest, I'm one of those that surveys the situation, sort of get a relationship, and then gradually build it. For me, that's what I do. I right. should have led by example as such. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Is that a good example? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sort of way, anyway. Try to. We're all in the same boat, you know, I'm making my own my own business. Of course. And you come across people, and I think that is the way to, to, to build a bridge. You know, you have got to build their and earn their respect first. Yeah, whenever you have a relationship you know. with somebody, they might, they might not necessarily, but they might not, um, they might listen to you a wee bit more. And even not that, if, if they don't, and you, you go your separate ways, if you ever see them again, you have that yeah. wee bit of relationship to, right. to, to fall back on sort of thing. Yeah, well, would you ever have found that maybe anyone would have been trying to mock you in any way, or would have said, oh, here's, you know, like a holy Joe coming, or... Anything like that now and again, yeah. maybe not mockery, but making no, fun no, of no, a wee no. bit, you know. I, to be honest, it was uh, yes, yeah, um, but it probably was. Uh, it was funny for me again. If you want to say funny, is maybe not the right word, but um, it used to be. Um, oh, I, I was in Hilltown, um, so maybe I was only there only was a certain amount of families within Hilltown that was was uh, from a, a Protestant background. So whenever I come to a friend, if you want to say, and played. You know, obviously we're friends at a mixed club, thankfully. Um, so that was almost brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're the only person in Hilltown players yeah. for Gav. You know, so that was brought into it. And they mocked me for that. And then I would have said, well, actually, you can, you, you can mock me even better, but this is here. Yeah. So, yes, you would have got mockery. But again, it's whenever there's back come in. That, that would have happened at the start, Derek. And then whenever they knew 
like, you know, you had their back sort of thing again, if that was in the football terms, or if that was just on a Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday, whatever the case may be, um, it, it sort of, like it's, I once you broke that barrier down and, and get the relationship through the Yeah, whenever, whenever they fought you and they couldn't get through you, if you yeah. want to say. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, whenever there's been certain times with other things, etc., as on teams, etc., it might have got your goat up, shall we say, and you let yourself down, but um, whenever, whenever you did build them relationships, it was, it, it, was, it was fine, and I'm sure other um, Christian players will say the same thing. Whenever you stand up for something, um, it will be mockery at the start, but they will, they will back down again. Well, what changes have you seen down at the club there in recent years? You know, um, within different members or? Yeah, well, uh, um, within the club, um, I, I often even say this. I, I, as I say, I, I enjoy my running. I'm getting too old now, enough, but I enjoy the running. Um, and I would run down at least twice a week down to Refrain Football Club, and you would not have seen anybody there. You never have seen anybody there. But it's, you go down now, it's past six, seven years, there's always somebody there. There's yeah. always somebody there doing work. There's always somebody there fixing something. There's always somebody there. That it's, in football in terms, it's got more of, a, if you want to say, a business. Uh, everything is run because, obviously, all such many junior teams, etc. You have to be doing it properly. You have to be seen doing it properly. You have to have having safety. You have to have all that above done properly. Um, Respect probably, and this is maybe stepping the market, but respect probably isn't there no more. And again, it used to be like, you know, when I was playing football and late John Ingham was there, like, you know, if you seen the man coming, you stood out of his way and let you pass, sort of thing, like, because there's John Ingham coming in, or whoever else it might have been. Now, there's not respect there, shall we say. Um, That's probably more in a, a, a whole of a community rather than with Ireland football. Yeah, club, it, it, it probably is. Like, to be honest, um, nobody's no time for nobody no more. Yeah. Um, but um, again, that's where hopefully the relationships come in with the, the younger players, that you have the bond in between us. Um, I, I've said I'm old school. I may look very young, but I'm old school. Um, I, I enjoy sitting down. This is making me look stupid now. I enjoy sitting down talking to a, an elderly, so that's anybody over 90, obviously, but anybody younger, an older person. Because they're telling you almost the truth. They're telling you what has happened before and what's happening, what they see in it. Um, now it's uh, personally, I think that a lot of people don't have time to do nothing no more, and all they're happy to do is do whatever they have to do and get out of there. Which is sad times. I, I again, I, I think like, but uh, within the club itself, um, probably respect is one of the biggest things that has went out the window. But saying that. We have some great lads coming through from different communities all over, and it's not just from the surrounding areas we're finding no more. Like you can, you can go 20, 25, 30 mile away, and they're coming because we are a community club. We, we we're sticking up for whoever that may be. I don't mean that in the way it sounded, but um, it does not matter who you're from or where you're from or what age you are or what has happened before. Yeah, it, it, it's here now, uh -huh. and again, I think that's a lot to do with. Um, Again, as in a Christian background, in, in a sense, like it, it doesn't matter what's happened before. It's what how you're living today, how you're living, walking with, with Christ today, and we will all fall. Um, but it's again about knowing that He asked the Lord for forgiveness, and He, he will grant it. And um, you have to just move on. Yes, don't get me wrong; it's hard sometimes to do that, um, and other people may not let you forget it too often. But again, it's only God that's going to let you into heaven, not not the people who's going to be talking about you. Absolutely. Well, just to finish off, Adrian, uh, what advice would you give other young Christians, you know, in the sports or school environment uh, about relationships? Um, probably the biggest, again, the, the biggest thing for me is listening, probably. Yeah, I wasn't maybe a greatest, I, mean, I don't know if it was, you can ask my parents maybe, or my brothers or sisters listening, but I, I um, listening, um, we hear the old story about one one night in two years, etc. Like, but do to listen. Um, there's a lot of things out there that will draw you to whatever, and you, it looks attractive if that's alcohol, drugs, if that's whatever it is. Um, but whenever you, you you normally don't want to do it, or you don't think you should do it. But whenever you're looking at the older generation, if you want to say, if that's 
10 years, 15 years, 20 years, whatever the case may be, whenever you, you look on how they carry themselves, if you want to say, um, how the respect comes in again, um, to, to always remember Christian or non-Christian, to be honest, but to do what you feel is right, it may be wrong, it may be right today, but in two weeks' time it could be wrong when you're eyes again. But to stand up for what you believe in, as long as you do believe it, just not stand up because everybody else is doing it. Um, and especially for Christian uh, young people, it's to stand up for your faith. There's so many, like as I say, you can go on to Facebook right now and you can watch this here. Tw- 20 years ago, you couldn't obviously do it. So, so many different things out there that can encourage you, etc. But it's about giving time for yourself, reading the word, spending time with God. And some people say to be around Christian friends, 100% right. But also, you have to put yourself out there. To, in my opinion, you have to put yourself out there. Um, if that's a sporting end, if that's work, whatever the case would be, you have to put yourself out there and encourage other people. Um, as I said, you, you could be talking about, um, about Christianity for years to different people, and away they go, and two weeks later, somebody else could be talking about Christianity, and the penny had dropped. That, that's, that was the day that um, God really spoke to them. So you don't know what seeds you leave behind. You, you really don't, and that's probably one of the reasons why I took the chair on almost three years ago now, is you don't, I may take it only for a short term, etc., and the next person goes on, but at the end of them three years, have I helped, not at the club, yes, but helped the players that I, it was under us at that stage, I don't mean me, just us as a committee, have we helped them people, um, in, in a fitness ways, but in a physical ways, but also in a mental ways, and then if you're a Christian within that, have you done it for, in a spiritual way too? Um, so, that that's probably one of the biggest things I would like to leave any younger or any, anybody to be honest is be encouraged that God is always with us always with us and whenever we stumble and fall which is more times than not for me um, that he's still there and there's people out there that we do not know that are praying for us yeah. um, and yeah. be encouraged that um, the bad times will come but the good times will always be there too because yeah. if we do stay with the Lord we're destined for heaven and if you're into fitness, and I suppose like everything else, if you don't maintain your fitness, uh, you're going to lose it. And that's very true in the Christian yeah. walk of life. If you don't stay close to God, yeah. and you don't read your word, you're going to get lost in your way too. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so from that point of view, uh, thank you very much for coming along. Okay, not a problem. Adrian, it's not easy coming up here and talking to people about yourself. You did, you did, you did well, you did well. <laughs> yeah, but, no, no, uh, thank you. Thanks very much. No problem. We'll see you again. No problem, thank you. I'll hand over to the Reverend Harris. I think he was worried at the start I was going to start a sermon there when I mentioned the three. (laughs) Thanks, Derek, and thanks, Adrian, uh, for sharing uh, just parts of your your life and your experience with us today. Uh, Friends, we come to God's Word. We continue our thinking. Uh, The theme last night was the cost of our salvation. We think of the payment, how that was actually done. Um, And we think on a passage in Mark chapter 10 and beginning to read at verse 35. We thought of the rich young man last night. We think of two characters who followed Jesus, two brothers, James and John. We hear God's word. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said. We want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in the glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard this, they became indignant with James and John. 
Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Ending there at verse 45. Friends, there's a very, very basic question that I dare say many people would find it difficult to answer. And that question is, Why did Jesus have to die? And sometimes there's a partial answer. He died to show God's love for us. Or that he died to take away our sins. But then that begs a subsequent question. Why did Jesus have to die to take away our sins? When we think of just things on life's journey, if I hurt you in some way, maybe you'd said something to me and I'd misinterpreted it and then misrepresented that to someone else and they thought ill of you because of what I said about you. And I've done something wrong. And I come to you and say, look, I just didn't understand what you said. And I'm sorry for the way I maybe reported that to someone else and they got the wrong end of the stick. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And you may well say, yes, we all have misunderstandings. I forgive you. Why can't God do that? If you and I acknowledge that we're sinners before God, why can't we just go to God and say, Lord, I've done many things wrong. Will you please forgive me? In the same way as a friend I have, if I do something against him and I say sorry, he'll forgive me. Why, Lord, can't you forgive me when I ask you? Well, that's the question that we answer from the scriptures tonight. Why Jesus had to die. Jesus gathered his disciples, 12 of them, and he spent three and a half years with them. And they were on a journey with Jesus from Galilee that eventually would end up in Jerusalem and Jesus going to the cross. And during those three and a half years, as they followed him, they watched him, they listened to him, they heard him teach, they watched him heal people, they watched him calm a storm, they watched him turn a few loaves and fish into enough to feed a multitude. They marveled at who he was and his wisdom and his words. And on that journey, Jesus revealed a little bit more to them about why he had really come. In Mark chapter 8, at verse 31, we read this, Jesus first of all tells his disciples about what he had really come to do. He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law that he must be killed, and after three days rise again. He spoke about this plainly. But they couldn't really understand. He had come to bring an eternal kingdom. He had come to reign forever and ever. And he talks of his death. They heard it, but they didn't hear it. Then in the next chapter, Mark chapter 9 at verse 30. 
They left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, the son of man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him. And after three days, he will rise. So they learned something more. There was going to be betrayal in all of this. And then in Mark chapter 10 at verse 32, on their way up to Jerusalem, with Jesus leading the way, And the disciples were astonished while those who followed were afraid. Again, he took the twelve aside and told them what was going to happen to him. We are going to Jerusalem, he said. And the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death. And then he tells them something more. He specifies what will happen. They will turn him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. And three days later, he will rise. On these three occasions, Jesus tells his disciples the same thing. This is why I've come. I've come to die. I don't like the word religion. I remember speaking to someone in Portadown, or sorry, in in, in Banbridge recently. Um, And it was a lady who was on a board of governors that I serve in in a school. And um, she would belong to another congregation but wouldn't go. Uh, And I was chatting to her and she said, you know, I'm not very religious. And I said to her, I'm not very religious either. And she said, what? And I said, because you see, religion is just a thing that you do. You can clean your teeth religiously twice a day. Religion is a repetition of of doing things. And I said, I rather speak about faith because faith is in God. Faith is in the person of the Lord Jesus. And it's a focus on him and who he is and what he's done. Rather than us trying to be religious. And she said, I haven't thought about it that way before. But here Jesus is declaring his uniqueness. When we think of what are called the main religions in the world. Islam with Muhammad. Or Hinduism with Krishna. Or Buddha with Buddhism. Or any of the so-called main religions. They're, They're based on a character who has certain types of teaching. And those teachings are things that people are to follow. Christianity is completely different. Because our leader came to die. And it was his death that would accomplish the salvation for the world. Here Jesus tells his friends, I'll be handed over to others. They'll brutalize me. They'll crucify me. And that's why I have come. Because that's what you need. Now we ask the question, why? Verse 45, the end of our passage today. For even the Son of Man did not come to, but to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. God in our flesh, the Lord Jesus has come to serve. Friends, we are privileged to sit together tonight in this meeting because we speak of a God who has come to serve us, to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. It is unique. 
God is eternal. He is pure. He is perfect. He, in his perfection, doesn't forget. So every sin that you and I commit, and we have committed countless sins, the sins you and I committed on the 21st of February earlier this year, Can you remember them? Of course you can't. And even some of the sins you and I committed on that day, we we wouldn't even have realized. Maybe a little bit of selfishness or a little bit of indifference or just a little bit of ignoring something that should be pressing upon us. Or other things more overt that that we just know are wrong. Each of those sins is ever remembered by a holy God. And the scriptures teach us that one sin is enough to keep us out of heaven. Because one sin means that we are not perfect. And heaven is a perfect place and nothing imperfect can ever enter heaven. So let alone our our many sins, our one sin is enough to keep us out. And so Jesus came to die to deal with our sins. But why did he have to die? In Romans chapter 3, verses 25 and 26, we see the only place where God in the honor of who he is, could deal with sin and allow the sinner to be released from that sin was at the cross. Verse 25, we read this. God presented Jesus as a sacrifice of atonement. That is the paying of a debt. Through faith in his blood, That's how that debt is honored in us. God coming by his spirit to draw us that we would have a faith in this Jesus who shed his blood as a payment for our sin. God did this to demonstrate his justice. Because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. Now here at the cross, we have two great attributes of God meeting. We read in the scriptures that God loves us. But God in his love cannot ignore what is wrong. He cannot ignore sin. So God loves us, but he is also just. He also must deal with sin. I mean, in our our, our fallenness, we, we, we even see that that is right. For example, if you have pride in your car, and someone comes along one day and with a hammer smashes your headlights, quite a vivid thought. Um, and you find that person and you take them along to the judge, which again is a bit of a a silly story. You can't do that, but if, if you can picture the scene and the judge says to the perpetrator, that was very naughty. Don't do that again. And he lets them off and you go and you fix your headlamps. The next day he does the same thing and he's brought before the judge and the judge says, That's very, very naughty. Don't do that again. Let's them go. The next day, this could go on for quite a while. 10, 20, 30 days, he breaks your headlamps. And the judge just says, that's very, times 30, naughty. Don't do that again. We cry out, where is the justice? I'm suffering here. I'm out expense every day replacing the headlamps in my car. And this lawless person is just off scot-free. We know 
that sin has consequence. Sin either hurts ourselves or it hurts other people. And the Bible tells us that sin is ultimately against God who demands righteousness in our living. So we can see that sin ought to be punished. And if I'm a sinner before a holy God, I ought to be punished. God cannot simply say, I love you, I forgive you, your sin doesn't matter. God loves us, but he must be just, he must punish sin. And the glory of the gospel is that God sends his son in our flesh to live our life, to live perfectly before the Father in heaven, to live that only perfect life ever lived from his first breath at Bethlehem's manger to his last breath on Calvary's cross, a life lived in perfection. But more than that, to go to the cross to die, to pay for our sin. That God might be just in punishing sin because that's his righteous character. He must deal with sin. He can't ignore it. We wouldn't want a judge to ignore it. God will not ignore his character. He is love, but he is also just. And either the sinner pays for his or her own sin. And that means a lost eternity because it's an eternal offense against God. Or God does something that the debt is paid. His justice is satisfied. And he is then free to love us. And it's only at the cross that God's love And his justice meet. That's where they come together. God looked upon us and loved us when he put Jesus on the cross. And there in his justice he punished him instead of us. That our debt was paid and we could be free. Do you see that? Because that needs to be your understanding and also your faith. Because until we see the enormity of our sin, that it cost God's eternal son, his own human life, living and dying for us, it's only when we see the the enormity of sin that we will ever come to him and trust him. Is that your heart? Do you see how wrong you are in yourself as I do before God? And gladly come to the one who so loved us and gave himself for us. In faith, repentance of sin, we we come and we honor him. Let me take you back for a few moments to James and John. They got it so wrong, didn't they? They'll be with Jesus over three years. And they still hadn't got it. But maybe that's you tonight. Maybe you haven't got it either. Can you imagine how you would have felt if you had been Jesus and those you'd been teaching for those three years? Two of them came to you and said, Lord, when you come in your glory, I want to sit on your right and my brother on your left. We want to be kingpins in your kingdom. Will you grant us that? How would you have felt? James, John, don't you understand anything? You don't understand what my glory is. 
My glory is doing my Father's will. My glory is to rescue my people. My glory is to rescue you. And I will do that on a cross. I've been telling you about that. Don't you see it? On that day when Jesus was glorified, he teaches us that in John 12, just his coming to Jerusalem for the last time on Palm Sunday. He says, Father, glorify your name. And Jesus goes on to say, when I'm lifted up from the earth and draw all men to myself, that's when the glory comes. Salvation will be accomplished. And it wasn't James and John on his right and left when that happened. Rather, there were two thieves, one on his right and one on his left. When Jesus was glorified and paid the price for our sins. Let me read a little bit of that in Luke's gospel. And as we read, just think of what is happening. Two other criminals were also led out with him. To be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him, along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. There was written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said. Since you're under the same sentence, we are punished justly. For we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. In our hearts, can't we take that same place as that thief? Remembering the glory of Jesus, paying for our sins that we might be free. And just saying, Lord, remember me. I'm trusting you. I'm surrendering my heart to you. And though it will not be today as for this thief, but when our time on earth is through, it will be that day we will see him in paradise. The payment of our salvation from our only God in our flesh, living our life, dying our death where God's love and justice meet, and we are set free. Friends, I'm going to pray a prayer. If you want to echo that prayer in your heart, just make your peace with God. Let us pray. Father, we bless you for your word. We thank you that it is from another world because it speaks of the one who came from heaven to share our life but without sin. And as the holy sinless one had the right to pay the price for sinners. 
We bless you for Jesus. And Lord, in my heart tonight, I thank you that Jesus so loved me that he would pay that eternal price to deal with my sin. That you, the righteous God, could have your justice satisfied. That my sin was truly paid for. And I have to pay it no more. Lord, I come in repentance of my sin, turning away from all I know to be wrong. And I come in faith, trusting in this Jesus and trusting in him alone. For I need no other. He has become my all in all. Take my life, Lord. Cleanse me from my sin. Make me yours, O God. And I will delight to declare your praise for the rest of my days. Hear my prayer. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Friends, just before we sing our closing praise, uh, to thank folks last night for the offering of £161. We don't have any overheads for our mission here, so no expenses are to be paid for. So all our money at our mission is going to Ukraine uh, to help the folk there. So retiring offering is open tonight, and we'll sort of keep a running total each night, and uh, just to know that every penny will be going to help folk in Ukraine as a result of our mission too. We stand and sing our closing praise in Christ alone.
friends, just before we pray, uh, tomorrow night we look at the end, that's the cross itself, but also the beginning on Sunday night, the resurrection and that bringing in of eternal life as Jesus is risen from the dead. So please do come tomorrow night and Sunday night if you can. Uh, Lovely to see you here tonight. Let's pray. Our Father, we bless you that we can simply sit around your word and think on its truth. We pray that your spirit will ever help us to understand. But more than that, that in our hearts, those hearts will be be tender before you, eager to receive you, and that deep in the soul, we'll know that all is well. Because Jesus is ours. More importantly, we are his. Hear our prayer for his name's sake. Amen.